0: into uh, hope. It is supernatural. That's where we're going to kind of zoom in on today. And uh, this comes from uh, Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray. I sent them a note the other night. Saying, hey, I'm, gonna be, I'm continuing a series on hope. Have you got any phrases or thoughts or definitions of it? So you, you're going to see their stuff sprinkled through, and it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's really deep, some of it, but it's, it's good. And uh, yeah, you'll like that. But before we do that, Things that made me ponder. I got 10 things that made me stop and think, and um, maybe none of them will uh, hit you, but maybe one, only one will hit you, and that's enough. Uh, But these are really good because we have such a variety of people watching uh, uh, online and that are present here going through different things in their personal lives. You know, how do you possibly address every single issue that's real to each person? So the first one. When we should take a break, when we actually take a break. That's a, that's a good lesson there. Yeah, you guys get it? If you don't get it, too bad. All right. The worst part about having mental health issues is that you're seemingly required to have a breakdown in order for people to understand how hard you were trying to hold yourself together. That is a great lesson wake-up call. Just because you see somebody happy or doing fine, by the way, fine, according to the Italian job movie, stands for freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So when you say you're fine, that's what I'm thinking of. So you may want to elaborate on how you're doing when, you, when I ask you how you're doing. <laughs> but that was supposed to be funny. But anyway, um, this is real. So, just keep that in mind that when people are having a hard time, sometimes they're really trying to keep it together. And I think they need to be cheered on and encouraged uh, for the fact that they are, that there is strength to keep them going. I love that. Toxic positivity is forced, false positivity. I love this. It may sound innoxious on the surface. But when you share something difficult with someone and they insist that you turn it into a positive, what they're really saying is, my comfort is more important than your reality. So, lesson, let's be careful to not shove toxic positivity on people. There, I always encourage people to find a more positive lens. I think that's important. But to, to, to take away and dismiss the pain or difficulty of somebody, um, yeah, it, it's not wise. I thought that was pretty good. That's from Brene uh, um, and with Dr. Susan David. This is from Nelson Mandela. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. This is also good. And sometimes we meet people that are just so negative and upset and angry and, and filled with vigor and hate towards something, politics or people or systems, whatever it is. There's much more going on there. There's a, there must be a way to spin something and, and instead of just see that person as darkness, be light. Point out the light in them. I thought that was really good. This is another good one. To dehumanize another human is to work in the direct opposition to the incarnation and fleshment of God in Christ. Be wary of anyone who claims to follow Christ, but devalues and dehumanizes others. This is quite timely in our culture right now. The last couple of years, there's been a lot of dehumanizing, dismissing of people, and done in just harsh, sometimes political vigor and unloving attitudes are just rampant. And this was a good lens, so if it hits you, good. I love these next two from Brendan Manning. If I am not in touch with my own belovedness, then I cannot touch the sacredness of others. If I am estranged from myself, I am likewise a stranger to others. We've been talking about belovedness for a number of weeks. We've been talking about being loved. Can you close that door, please? We're, we talk about being loved, know we're loved, that we live from the lens or perspective of ourselves being loved. If you don't think you're loved by God, you're going to live that way. If you don't love yourself, you're going to live that way. This, Brendan Manning had some incredible stuff. Here's another one. The secret of the mystery is God is always greater, no matter how great we think him to be. His love is always greater. So when we talk about learning about the love of God and claim to know God, claim to love God, whatever revelation we have is always, there's more. There's always more. None of us have arrived. We're all still growing in grace. And you think, oh, see, I know who God is now. And, and then you compare and say, but you don't. You've just created a dualistic mindset that hinders any relationship with anybody, including God. You, you just separated yourself and your mind. We can't do that. When setting out on a journey, do not seek advice from those who have never left home. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, th- there's some cheekiness to it, but there's also a deep truth in our spiritual journeys, too. If you are exploring a deeper love of God, don't go seek advice from people that have never experienced a deeper love of God, a deeper revelation, a deeper understanding that have walked it out, that have wrestled with the tough stuff. Be careful who you go to for wisdom and advice. Be careful what trough you go to to drink and eat from. If it's the same regurgitated pre-chewed food, my goodness. Rethink that. This is a Christmas one. For through my faith, sorry, sorry, for though my faith is not yours and your faith is not mine, if we are each free to light our own flame, together we can banish some of the darkness of the world. And this is powerful. Because the topic of light is not just a Christian thing. It's not just a Bible thing. It's a human thing. It's across all faiths and religions, this concept of light, where it shines. And often in the Christian world I've seen, Christians tend to, or let me rephrase that, people trying to be religious tend to snuff out other people's flames in other religions and just brushstroke it as all wrong just because it's not the same as theirs. That's what this is talking about. I have come to see so many similarities in messaging of love and grace, even in the Muslim faith. I know, really. I'm stunned by how much foundational togetherness and forgiveness is supposed to be part of the Quran if you've never looked into it which most haven't um, I've had people around me do the research for me and shown me and say oh my goodness this is this is actually I I misjudged I misunderstood now just like in Christianity we have extremism extreme right extreme left in the Muslim faith same thing extreme right extreme left but the foundation core teaching is about love forgiveness to take care of your fellow human, to take care of the stranger, to allow other faiths to exist around you that aren't part of yours. It's pretty cool. This came up in our small group on Friday. I love this phrase. Tradition is the living faith of the dead people to which we must add our chapter while we have the gift of life. Traditionalism is the dead faith of living people who fear that if anything changes, the whole enterprise will crumble. So the shortened version of this is, tradition is the living faith of the dead, traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Why is this important? I remember Bishop Byers in the Brethren in Christ Church, he brought this up at a big conference when I first became a BIC pastor. And uh, BIC, you know, we light up the world, just kidding. Um, But anyway, that phrase came up, because there is room to revisit some of the traditions. But if we do the traditions just because it's tradition, then, I'm sorry, that sounds like dead faith to me. If we find meaning in those rituals, great, let's go visit that and at least discuss the meaning and find meaning in the symbols. Evangelicalism in the Western church, we've denied symbols. We've moved from uh, liturgy to trust the Spirit and dismiss the icons, dismiss some other practical rituals that help us physically and tangibly remember Christ in us. We have much to learn. So if that speaks wisdom to you, fantastic. As Russ says, fantastic. That's what you said. How are you doing? I'm oh, fantastic. I love it. Hope. Hope is supernatural. Faith, hope, and love. Why? Well, let's talk about what hope is. Because there's we, we kind of had some definitions in the early part of the year or a number of weeks back, but there's more. Just to help Bridget. There isn't one single definition. We need to see multiple perspectives and build a collage of what hope could be to get a more honest picture. But let's take a look at what Henry Nouwen says about hope. These two short devotionals are really, really good. When we live with hope, we do not get tangled up with concerns for how our wishes will be fulfilled. So too our prayers are not directed towards the gift, but towards the one who gives it. Ultimately, it is not a question of having a wish come true, but of of expressing an unlimited faith in the giver of all good things. Hope is based on the premise that the other gives only what is good. Hope includes an openness by which you wait for the promise to come through, even though you never know when, where, or how this might happen. Maybe today some of those are watching online or those here, today you, you, you need to get some hope. You need to hear some hope because you're having a rough time in your brain. In that tent or cubby hole that you're, your head stuck in for part of the week, we need light. We need some hope here. And I hope somehow that today one thing will inspire you. I really do. Henry Now continues, "It is central in the biblical tradition that God's love for His people should not be forgotten. It should remain with us in the present, when everything is dark, when we are surrounded by despairing voices, when we do not see any exists, then we can find salvation in the remembered love." A love that is not simply a wistful recollection of a bygone past, but a living force that sustains us in the present. Though memory, love transcends the limits of time and offers hope at any moment in our lives. Hope is supernatural. Hope comes to us. Oh wait, Hope has been placed in us if you realize it. Just your realizing doesn't put it there. You're realizing it recognizes, oh, it's there. That's very different. Bill Thrasher. Now Bill can get deep, quick, okay? So almost you got to read it slow or a few times, or just you know, this is not going to connect with everybody, but it's good. Hope isn't rooted in some horrific dissatisfaction of God who scowls at your total depravity and reluctantly redeems it through a holier-than-thou human blood sacrifice, making you now somehow worthy. That's far from hope. Hope is found in the full reveling and acceptance. Uh, This part you gotta really watch. Hope is found in the full reveling and acceptance of your filth-covered beauty. What does he talk about? It's coming. Don't worry. Buried under a false sense of divine blame and disgust, realizing that you, just as you are right now, is what satisfies God's utmost desire. This filth covered threw me off. I was like, I gotta read that. What? What? I, I, I didn't get it. And then I realized the filth covered is a false concept that we have of ourselves. God loves through that. We have false concepts of who we think we are. Some of us don't even like ourselves, let alone love ourselves. It, it's true. Or we don't like certain parts of ourselves, or certain attitudes that are displayed. And it's like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. And then we think, oh, then we're a terrible person. God's love blows through that and is not put off by that and reminds us of our core true identity. I love that. Hope is passion for what is possible. Kier- Kierkegaard wrote that. I love this. Hope is passion for what is possible. To me, that, that one resonated. Another one from Bill. Hope looks like a socially rejected, underwhelming bastard laborer who lived in an oppressively tyrannical empire, do you love his writing, do you love his, (laughs) Uh, empire, under the legalism of hyper-religiosity, and defeating it all in the fullness of time through self-sacrificial enemy reconciling all enduring unfailing love and mercy. Hope is the promise of grace." bloody, beaten, and unyielding in its undying forgiveness, relentless in its mission to make all things work together for good, even when it seems completely impossible. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the hope who was beaten for us, who's been through pain, suffering, rejection, humiliation. Someone else has gone before us and modeled it and is in our pain. God is not absent from what we go through. Hope is being able to see that there is light despite of all the darkness. Desmond Tutu. Now, this one's tough because there are folks in a place of darkness that cannot see light. It's actually true. People come to a place of darkness and you think, well, they gotta see a little bit of light, like even a speck. No. There are people who see no hope. And their spin cycle Sucks down like a drain trying to empty a sink. You know, you gotta quickly plug that. You may be the light brought into the life at that right moment just to have kind eyes, just to open the door for somebody, just to help pick up a dropped bag, just to say hello, just to not be angry at them. You are light at all times. You may not act like it. You may not live like it all the time. But you are. The more we believe it, the more we're going to start to live like we are the light of Christ. The light of Christ in this world. Hope is believing that every single shred of seeming cosmic darkness and void is permeated and filled with an invisible spectrum of radiating light and potential energy with not one photon or quantum wave excluded from the perceptual uh, nature of cruciform love. Did anybody understand that? (laughs) So I I love Bill. He he, he and I, we're on a program uh, almost every week. And uh, he's deep. And he's able to spin it a different way. Like, this is a lens I'm not used to at all. But when you, like, it's hard in the sermon because you're just seeing it and go, whoa, I can't take that all in. We'll go back later and pause it on the screen and reread each one of these. They are rich. Every single one of these has been super rich. I love that. Hope, but never Expect. Look forward, but never wait. This is another one that hit me about hope. Because (laughs) um, sometimes we have false expectations that creep in. And then we're really disappointed when those expectations aren't met. Oh, wait, that happens to us every day, doesn't it? When, yeah, you have your own list about expectations not being met. But to have a hope, I, I have a hope for things to get better in certain areas. I have a hope for this and a hope for that. Some of the hopes I have are so vague, but I'm gonna still I still see the word hope on it. And I have to. I don't want to let go of hope. It's, it's just different. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why it is supernatural. Right there. Hope is a gift given to us. May the God of hope, God is a God of hope. Now, this word fill, it's not a guy's name, But sometimes it means, it's not about being empty, like Russ's cup is almost empty of coffee, but, right, almost. So fill it with more coffee, or fill it with more hope. If your lens is almost empty, needing topping up, that is a lens that is still incomplete. There's another way to see this as well, and we've seen this in other parts of Scripture, where it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, before that it says, don't get drunk with wine, you know, or you'll do stupid things. Um, or instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The same word "fill" is referring to being controlled by. Be controlled by the hope of God. That's different. That's uh, the other one can almost be a dualistic mindset of I have nothing and I lack it, therefore I need to get it. But we read in. Peter and other places, you have already been given everything you need for living a godly life. You lack nothing. So you actually don't lack hope. (coughs) Do you see the difference? This is important. Because if you don't see this, you're going to try to keep begging God for something you already have. Huh? It's like trying to get into a room you're already in try that one. Let's try another translation. New Living Translation. I pray that God, I love this, the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him or believe. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit makes me think of that Sound of Music song. I have confidence in confidence. Some people live like that. They do this corny, they they just repeat the word, thinking if I just keep repeating it, it'll, it'll hit me. But no, our confidence comes from what is already there. Do you see the difference? I hope you do. Then you will overflow. Then you will. I love this from the First Nations Translation written from an indigenous perspective. My prayer for the outside nations is that the great spirit who gives you this hope will fill you with the joy and peace that comes from trusting him so that this hope will flow like a river through your lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. It doesn't get any more supernatural than that. Hope in you is supernatural. It's there already. You don't have to look for hope. You have to awaken to it. How does that happen? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. But I think the more I read and the more I study and the more I hear and the more I surround myself with authentic hope-filled people rather than goofy, fake hope-filled people that sound like toxic positivity stuff, then maybe, maybe that's a nudge that I begin to see what's already in me. I think here at Hope Fellowship, we're gonna keep teaching who we are in Christ, what Christ has already done for you, to you, and how Christ lives in you, so that you live from that truth, not trying to get something into you that's already there. Big difference. Hope is is a supernatural, a transcendent, identifying core component of your human being. I love that. Hope, when awakened, produces an expectancy, an anticipation for goodness and light to find its way through any subjectivity experienced situation, no matter how bad or dark it is perceived to be. I've been struggling with some stuff, leadership stuff. And I've had my emotions ripped and turned and whooped and up and down and boiling angry to, ugh, fine, forgive. You name it, all all kinds of emotions. And I'm seeing that there is hope, even in difficult circumstances. The circumstances we go through do not determine who we are. Don't mix those up. I got bad stuff going on, so I must be a bad person. That's not how it works. That's old karma mentality. But this is good. There is hope in it. Why is hope supernatural? Romans 8 24 to 25. For we are saved by you can look all this up yourself too, you know. So just so you know I'm not making it up, or you know, plagiarizing and miss, you know, changing words. This is this is really good stuff. For we are saved by hope. But hoping for what we already see is not hope. For if a person already sees the object of their hope, why is there any need for hope? But if we hope for what we see not, then we do with joyful endurance wait for it. It's almost like Bill Thrasher wrote that. (laughs) I love this from the New Living Translation. We were given this hope when we were saved. We already have something. We don't need to hope for it. Um, But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Now this word saved, also, what's another word for saved that we have come to realize Doesn't mean in and out, it means or out and then in. The word literally means healed. Just keep that in mind, especially when we use the word salvation or saved. It's deeper and richer than you may have been told. First Nations translation, this is beautiful. This is what Creator was planning when He set us free by His Spirit. It is the hope of all creation. We cannot fully see this hope yet, for who hopes for what has already happened? So we must be patient and wait for Creator to bring everything to completion. Don't give up hope in your life. Number one, you're not in charge. You're not in charge of your relatives, you're not in charge of your friends, your workplace. There is hope. The hope is in Jesus. You can't control the outcome. You can have a hopeful outcome. But don't lose hope. Oh, you can't. That's right. It's in you. Just saying. It's there. Some of you needed to hear that. Hope is supernatural. I never saw it that way before I never did I know Hope Fellowship was built on Jeremiah 29 11 what's that verse Rod probably haven't memorized I don't but something about a future and a hope I love that and when I came to Hope Fellowship I loved that verse But then in my journey of learning my identity in Christ, Colossians 1.27 was the counterverse in the New Covenant. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where is Christ? In you. Oh, and he's called the what? Hope of glory. And where's that hope? In you. See Hope's in you. How it manifests itself, I don't know. It's not cookie cutter, and it's not what the preacher tells you. I promise you that. It's gonna be experienced differently for each one of us. And don't say, oh, I want their hope. Cause you actually have it. <laughs> Get it? Same Christ? Okay, forget it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, wake us up to the hope already in us. Where those that feel like they have no hope or really could use some hope, I hope today you've reminded them a little bit that you are the hope and you live in them. Father, maybe we just need to be still and listen for your voice in us. And if we can't hear it in us, maybe you'll send someone to be a voice or a light to us from the outside in, revealing the light and hope in us. Maybe you'll use one of us to be that for someone else. But Father, keep reminding us we're loved so that we can be loved, act like a beloved, and treat others like they're also beloved. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.